you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It is a brand new edition of the NFL Explained podcast. Mike Yam, and it's my guy, M. Rob. I miss you, man. We've had a good flow going. You're usually in the studio with me, and then all of a sudden, you're at home now. We're going virtual on this? Yeah, we're going virtual on this one, Yams, but it's all good, man. I had to do some stuff with the kids, throw the football around, take some field trips. I'll be back in studio here pretty soon. So I know people were actually wondering if the field trip included a ride to the Selfie Museum. Yay or nay? <laughs> no, okay. not the selfie museum, not quite yet, but I may go there before I get on the flight to come out there. Which is good. And it kind of leads me <laughs> down a path of what this episode is when I drop the selfie museum, right? Because we all have our phones, we're attached to technology. I know everyone right now who's listening to this podcast, like, think about this, M. Rob. You and I are old enough, and I like being able to say this. I was like, it's like the old school veteran. You and I are old <laughs> enough. Back in my day, we had a Walkman and the whole thing. But think yeah. about this. Like, people are consuming our show on podcasts or even now on YouTube and they get to go and see us with makeup on and the whole thing. Yes, yes. Pump, let's bring it. But do you <laughs> do you get that vibe that like we're almost too attached now to technology and maybe the game might be a little too attached to the tech? Oh, well, a quick answer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I believe society is attached to technology a little too much. Just go walk through what we used to call malls, metals things. Oh, yeah, man. Shopping centers and stuff. Now I'm from New Jersey, man. Phone. I know. All so, about so, malls. you know, yeah, about, yeah, that's, you that's, know about malls and yeah. stuff. Absolutely. You go to a mall now. Everybody's looking at their phone. Everybody's looking down. You go to a school where a bunch of kids are. Everybody's looking down. So I would say, yes, we are a lot more attached to technology today than we've ever been in human times. Okay, so I'm going to throw this your way. Some people are listening to this podcast like, what's this technology in this NFL deal? All right, now it's about to make sense for you. Today, <laughs> we are all about technology in the NFL on a specific subject, something that we're all used to seeing. We see it every single Sunday, every Thursday, every Monday, and you know what I'm talking about. It's all about instant replay. Camera angles all over, people and fans talking about officials not knowing what they're doing. Look, at the end of the day, and I I should preface everything that I'm about to say with legitimately, M-Rob, are there calls that are missed? Yes. Are the officials, do they do an absolutely incredible job in real time? 
there is no doubt in my mind they're some of the best officials that we have in professional sport across the board. We get to be armchair quarterback in the moment because we're at home watching TV, seeing mm-hmm. everything in slow-mo, frame by frame. Can you imagine having to make some of these decisions like this? No. <laughs> Not having it. It's tough, man. It really is. Yes, it, it is tough. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but at the end of the day, they're paid to do it. Yep. So I'm not going to let the referees off the hook too much. But, bro, it was two times in my career in the National Football League. I have some times in college, i.e. Penn State, Michigan, one second left on the clock. All Mike Rob fans know what I'm talking about there. But I think it was 2009, Brett Favre, he was playing for the Minnesota Vikings. End of the game, last play like a 50-yard pass or something like that. Brett Favre kind of scrambled around and threw a bullet to the back of the end zone to a dude that wasn't even on the team that week, Greg Lewis. Okay, this dude was like just chilling on the couch somewhere. They brought him in, and then he ended up catching the game winning pass in the back of the end zone. And then one of the ones that everybody knows in 2012, the fail. I'm not going to say it's a fail, Mary. It was a Hail Mary (laughs) that worked. Golden Tate caught it over like three or four Green Bay Packers players, man. It was Awesome. It was so dope. We had the replacement refs in that, yeah, that particular yeah. game. And I remember seeing one. I remember being on the sideline because it was base personnel. So base personnel, I w- fullback wouldn't have been in the game in the end of the game situations. But I remember one ref putting his hands up as a touchdown and the other ref just waving his hands like this. And I just said, you know what? Sprint to the end zone. Get golden up. Get them up out of here before they change their mind. We won the game. It's pretty cool, Mike. It was awesome. I actually have heard a lot of stories. One of your teammates, Evan Moore, and I know I brought him up a yes. couple times. He's a good buddy of mine. Was on your one of your teammates at that point. He actually gave me some intel that we used last season on this podcast. It was all about Hail Marys. So I do encourage some of our fans maybe to check out that episode going through the inner workings. Uh, remind me, when you're back in studio, I got a question to ask you about that one. But okay. the point is, at least on this episode, <laughs> when it comes down to instant replay, we're going to go through the historical timeline. Line. We're going to give you some stats. We'll tell you what we think is about to come. But I do think it's important to start at the beginning here. 1976, mm-hmm. the origin of this. NFL Director of Officiating, that's Art McNally, first experimented with instant replay by bringing a video camera and a stopwatch to a Dallas Buffalo game on Monday Night Football, trying to figure out how long a review would actually delay the game. Because I know this is wow. a big critique for people, right? Like you got, oh, it's going <laughs> to extend the game and the whole deal. Like at the end of the day, we're going to the timeline and how it might not be as big of a factor as you think. He saw a missed call, though, on a play with O.J. Simpson that would have been corrected with a replay review, and he thought it could benefit the NFL. 1978, two years later, the NFL actually tested instant replay during seven preseason games broadcasted on national TV, beginning with the Philadelphia-Miami Hall of Fame game. But overall, the performance of the camera system and the cost to install, a little prohibitive, so they actually tabled everything for a few more years. Take it to 1985. Technology actually improved so much that the owners voted 23-4 and 1 to add instant replay in a limited capacity for the 86th season. Replay officials sat in a booth with, get this, two VCRs. If you don't no know what way. a VCR is. Yes, VCRs. <laughs> Dude, what happened to us, man? We used to be young. <laughs> 
right? Like know, I'm actually man. saying like there, I know that there's people that are like, what's a VCR? Yes, there are. I, I remember I used to have to record Young and the Restless in General <laughs> Hospital for my grandmother when I was young. Oh yeah, yeah. So cool. For your, for yes. your grandmother. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, sure. Sure. If you say so. Um, but think about that. Like when you had to like make a mixtape, remember that? You had to like hit play and record at the same time, play on the, yes. like it's a whole thing. But the replay <laughs> officials, they had two VCRs there so they could record and watch back plays. In that first wow. season, there were 1.6 reviews per game with only 10% of the plays overturned. In just the third play from scrimmage in 1986, we actually got this. So the use of the instant replay on the third play from scrimmage in the new year already, the new rule in the National Football League, use of a instant replay official has given the Browns a touchdown on an otherwise very confusing play. VCRs, man. Emra, VCRs, dude. That's like A-tracks for us. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) okay. So despite that, Emrob, in 1992, replay was actually shelved by the league over concerns that it wasn't efficient enough and that nine of the 90 overturned calls were in fact incorrect. We then have to fast forward our VCR. You see what I did there? To 1999. (laughs) New system actually addressed issues like delays, penalizing coaches with the charge timeout on an incorrect challenge. It clearly worked well because in 2007, teams voted 30 to 2 to keep instant replay permanently. Now, in that same year, teams spent 300K apiece to install high-definition replay systems that were five times sharper. In 2014, the league designated a hub in New York where senior officiating members could be in contact with the officials on game day. And then three years later, all game day decisions would be made by dedicated officials at Art McNally Game Day Central in New York. And Rob, so there's an evolution that's here that we're seeing through instant replay, how it's installed. In your mind, is there something that could be improved upon when you watch these games and you see what these replay officials are doing? I think just having a sky judge, just having somebody that can see egregious calls, can see things obviously missed, obviously to have something to do with the success of the play. Just a sky judge to be up there just to kind of have the referees back, to have the officials on the field's back, right? If they miss something that has something to do with the play, that sky judge can buzz in and be able to interrupt and be able to get it right. Because at the end of the day, we all want it right. I don't care if you're on the side of the car where it benefits you or you're on the side of the car where it doesn't benefit you. Everybody wants to get the car right. And this past spring, I was with the USFL. I did some some of those uh, spring games. And it was just interesting to hear the back and forth between the referees, right? That Their microphones were always open as a broadcaster and as a viewer. You're able to hear kind of their thought processes and what they're going through, right? And even the reviewable plays, like it was just cool to just hear that, first of all, their job isn't easy. Not at all. Like the way that the speed at which this game moves, obviously uh, we're all fans of the game too. So to stop yourself from watching the game from an entertainment standpoint and watching the game from a standpoint of actually officiating it is a very difficult thing to do. Just talking to some of the refs that I talked to down there being able to officiate that game. But I think having a sky judge and maybe having just audio open so that we are actively listening to how our referees come to their conclusions. Yeah, no, I think that transparency is huge and it could be really beneficial for fans who are very quick to point to mistakes and feel like, no, 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 how do you mess that thing up? Like, it's not that easy and dudes aren't just sitting back, you know, watching the games like we do on our couch, right? Like it is, (laughs) it is a very different vibe for a lot of these games that I don't think people really think about too much, but it is really important to explain at least the exact process 
this once replay MROB is actually triggered in a game. So I mentioned the Art McNally Game Day Central location. They use brand new technology. It's a new system, and it, it was installed last year. It's called Hawkeye's Smart System. The SMART is an acronym, Synchronized Multi-Angle Replay Technology. Dude, say wow. that five times faster. Like, I was like, about to say that's that no to joke. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's no joke. So they wow. use, they use the Hawkeye Smart System to isolate the best possible angles for a broadcast. The officials at the Game Day Central location, they communicate with the stadium replay booth as well. And then after talking with other officials on the field and the coaches, the head referee is given a, and we've seen a whole lot of these on the sideline, the yes. Microsoft Surface to review the play. At that point, he communicates with senior designated members at the Game Day Central location, that Art McNally spot, who makes the final decision on review. So it's really that multi-layered approach, Emrod, that you made reference to. It can feel like forever for a lot of fans, but the, the process is actually really streamlined. What I find fascinating, and this we don't talk nearly enough about this. We see this in every single sport, Emrod. You're on the football field, reviews happening, officials are, you know, gathered. There's players kind of huddled around these dudes, and you know, a little, little, little chirping back and forth. What, what's actually <laughs> being said in those moments? Like, what's that vibe like? Well, first of all, it's one of those vibes where you're like, dude, there's, first of all, there's no way you threw that flag on me. No way you threw that flag on me, man. And then you're the funny part for me, because I've done this before, you're trying to get the referee or the official to look at the big screen with you. So you can talk him through the play and all that. I mean, he can't come to a conclusion just looking at the big screen in the stadium. But that's what all the fans are looking at. That's what we're looking at. And we're basically saying, look, dude, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. You know what I'm saying? So we always have some quick, you know, some fun banter back and forth with the referees. And people don't realize, like, coaches, especially the head coaches, they can get you ready for the officials. Like, I know in every team I've been a part of, every single week, the head coach in the big team meeting room, he, you know, Brings up uh, the, the the projector. All of the referees for that week will be up. They have their statistics on the calls that they make, the calls that they like to make. You know, what call do, do they make the most on the road? I mean, all these different types of statistics about the officials. And so when players go into a game, you know exactly who you're dealing with. I remember playing with Richard Sherman for a few years out there in Seattle, and there were always times where on the sideline, Pete would have to remind him, look, such and such is the back judge. Understand that. He's watching you. There's no need in yelling at the Whitehead. There's no need in yelling at um, a, a, another official. This is the guy watching you, and he calls a lot of pass interferences, so maybe you don't get his handsy today and things like that. It's just great information to have, and it gives you an advantage on game day. I'm actually mad because we did an episode, you and I, this season on head coaches and what they do. You never brought that up in that episode. Come on, man. Well, you you know, you're things- leaving some ammo in the chamber here. I know. I know. Well, you know what? That's not my fault, Yams. That's not my fault. That's your fault. I know you want to say that's my fault, but that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, right? it it's your job know, to like bad. psychologically get into my brain, right? And pull all of those stories out, man. You finally did it on this episode. Yeah. Thanks, no, we, we, I was, that's a good way to spin it. I was saving something <laughs> for a little later date in time. You know what's fascinating about what you just described? In other sports, I know they do this, and I think the same could be said for football. Don't you use that replay time as almost like an extra timeout? Oh, yes. Are you kidding me? Coaches are coaching up like crazy. Half of the time, you already know what the result of the call is going to be. And you're coaching up like if it was an interception and, you know, everybody's like, oh, that wasn't an interception, that wasn't an interception. Defensive coordinator see it, they call down. Hey, man, look, that was a pick, man. Y'all going to get off the field. Now the offensive coaches start coaching their guys up. I mean, 
Yeah, it's a pseudo timeout. I remember Camp Chancellor telling me we were playing in the NFC Championship game. We were playing the San Francisco 49ers, who was the team that I was with before the Seattle Seahawks. In that big NFC Championship game before the Super Bowl of the year, we won the Super Bowl. And Cam hit Vernon Davis so hard, bro. Like, I think I may have told this story on this podcast before, but he hit Vernon so hard. It was legal. It was with his shoulder in everything. I think you can, if you look back to 2013, 2014, you, you're going to see that hit. That was all over the highlights. He knocked, he hit Vernon so hard, Vernon's pants got twisted and ripped. <laughs> I ain't never seen nothing like that. He hit him with his shoulder and his pants got ripped. Think about that, Mike. And then the referee waited like five seconds and then threw the flag and Cam was like, man, man, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And um, I said, Cam, when Cam got back to the sideline, I said, Cam, what the hell happened, man? What did, you, what did he say to you? He said, bro, I said, why did he throw the flag? And the referee, I'll never forget Cam telling me this. He said, the referee said, bro, that looked way too violent. <laughs> I said, what? Cam said, yeah, man. He said, it looked too violent. This is football, right? And we had a moment on the sideline, and it was pretty cool. But that just goes to it, man. Referees are human, too. Things look very violent. You just say, oh, something had to have happened. That's why we need a sky judge. That's why we like that command center to help our guys out on the football field. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Just that extra set of eyes. One other note on the dialogue that's happening. Do certain guys, how do I put this, have a reputation? And maybe those experiences with officials have them thinking differently? Like a shorter leash? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I yep. know exactly what you mean. Um, what's my guy, man? Uh, he used to play for the Arizona Cardinals, went to Florida State. I hated playing a Darnell Dockett. That's his <laughs> name, defensive tackle. Oh, I hated playing that dude. I hated playing that dude. Every time I encountered him, I felt like it was a dirty play. Every time I went up against him, I'm looking at the ref like, and again, I play fullback. And running back sometimes. So my encounters with him were minimal, but I hated playing that dude. And, and I would always go to the ref every single play. Like, dude, he's doing something. Every single play is one of those guys that you hate playing against, but you love when he's on your, your team. team. Yeah. That's one of those guys that I would always go to the referee and be like, man, keep your eyes on that dude. Love, <laughs> shout out to Donnell Doc. I don't know what he's doing in life now, but he was kind of like my neighbor in Arizona when I lived out there. Shout out to Donnell Doc. Yeah, he's probably like, I appreciate that. I like that people were, <laughs> were thinking about me in those terms. Yes. All right, we're going to continue this conversation because I, I do think it's important to consider what's happening in New York when a lot of these plays are getting reviewed. And you mentioned, M. Rob, your experience is listening to some of these conversations, what that is actually like. There's so many things that these officials are responsible for. Confirming scores, turnovers, initiating reviews under two minutes during both halves, and obviously overtime. In addition, they're analyzing game decisions. Think about this. Before every single play, they're verifying the clock status at the beginning and the end of every play, confirming the correct number of players on the field at the snap. Every time I see too many men on the field, I'm always like, how did you figure that out? Like, I'm sitting there watching going, dude, like, you, I'm not great with numbers, but I'm sitting there. I'd be like one, two, like on the finger, no, old school counting. No, you're not going. You wouldn't count, Mike. What happens is when you play this game or see this game, you feel it enough. You just feel, feel it. it. You like, dude. Yeah, there's too many guys at linebacker yeah. right there. Or 
that's just too many secondary players. You just feel it, man. Yeah. Best defense you went up against, I'm guaranteeing, like, there was 11 dudes on the field, and it felt like there was 15. And you just kept looking around like, it feels, it don't feel like there's any windows for me. There's not enough holes. The whole thing. I get it. All right. When we come back, we're going to take you through some of the numbers behind Instant Replay, which teams are doing it the most successfully, and actually how often calls are being overturned. That's coming up next on the NFL Explained Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike M, M. Rob with you. M. Rob, I think I went this whole week and I did not get someone sliding into my DMs with a question, which is oh. weird. Yeah. What? Like we're, we're slacking here because I'm, as M. Rob will tell you, I get legit excited when we get questions for our mailbag episode. So mm-hmm. once again, if you're checking this out on our YouTube, which by the way, I just found out before we started rolling that our shows are now available yes. visually as well as you can obviously just listen to the audio. I'm much better looking on in podcast form than YouTube <laughs> form, but um, it's you know the, the imagination, you know the, the whole mind. Deal. No, 
you need to go to YouTube and check it out because anytime Yams get embarrassed or whatever, you can see the sweat happening on his hairline. So awesome. It's no, so dope. It's, the same thing happens to me too. So, you know, it takes one to know. Yeah, you know? no, no. The, the beads of sweat. I always, and I do, I, I, you know, I, I beat up pretty easily, but you're right. That, that does happen. You know, just because now I know we're on YouTube, I'm going to ask our makeup people if they can come and, and do touch-ups and, and our brains to make sure that, yes. that everything's okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, but in all sincerity, we do actually appreciate the questions that we have been getting. I swear to you, if you do DM me or MROP, really just me, I promise. I screenshot everything. I send it to our crew. I put it on a text thread. There's emojis firing all over the place. I get hyped up. MROP gets hyped up. Yes. And I promise we will get to some of those shows. By the way, we made a whole episode, not even just for the mailbag episode, we made a whole episode based off of one of those questions. So we'd sure love did. to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Mike underscore Yam at Real Mike Rob on Twitter. All right, let's get back to the instant replay stuff. How often it's successful? Because I think that's the question that everyone is thinking about. Mm -hmm. So between 1986, oh, I was just a kid, and 1991, during the first iteration of Instant Replay, there were an average of 2.2 plays reviewed per game, but reversals only happened 12.6% of the time. During those days, coaches weren't actually allowed to challenge. That changed under the current iteration of Instant Replay. So since 1999, there's been an average of 1.3 plays per game challenge, and 39% of the plays have been reversed. So that is a big jump in terms of those That's reversals. Good. In 1999, a total of 195 plays were reviewed, 57 reversed at a rate of 29%. But in 2021, check this out, 279 plays were reviewed, 158 were reversed. That's a 57% wow. rate of change. Highest ever. Highest ever. Wow. Yeah. Most review plays in 2021 pass completion, my lord, we've all watched enough football games to know that they yeah. check those things out. Pass incompletion, you can check that box as well, and runner breaking the plant. Like, that totally makes sense to me on those scenarios. Going back to what we were talking about, though, at the top with some of the technology, is there something, M-Rob, that you would point to as to why we're seeing the reversal change so significantly? I would point to just the technology from the television that from the television like the quality networks, of the images? Right? Yeah, the quality of the images. I mean, you could uh, right now they they can zoom into that sideline shot yeah. when a guy's running on the sideline, and you can see whether it's a blade or two of, of grass in between his cleat and the white line. Wow. In 1986, we just weren't able to see that. Right in 1996, we just weren't able to see those types of things. And I think as the quality of the picture continues to get ramped up, I think you'll see even more calls get overturned because the game moves so fast, yeah. right? And so for a referee to have an opportunity, or a fan for that matter, to have an opportunity to see this game slow down frame by frame, that's truly when you can get to the essence of, you know, what's causing an issue or what a penalty is or things like that. I do think it's interesting that we still don't know what a catch is. <laughs> I play football all my damn life, Mike, yeah. and I still don't know what a catch well, is. I still I don't. I know from the letter of the law, what a catch is, but from watching it, to me, is hard because at the end of the day, I can go out to any park in America yep. in, in any city and see kids making some crazy catches that may look like an incomplete pass, but are truly catches because a catch is a feel, it has a feel to it. So I don't know, man. 
don't know. So this is the replay. So, sometimes it's made it harder on me to, to determine what the hell is going on out there. You and I both know that someone's going to DM you and go, what is a catch for the mailbag yeah. episode? That's what they're going to say. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike Am, M. Rob with you. M. Rob, I'm with you on those camera angles and the quality. And here's the best thing that I can say about it. We all watch these documentaries on sports, M. Rob, from decades ago. And we watch them back, whether it's, you know, the old school NFL film stuff, stuff at the NBA, Major League Baseball. Like, think about, I was watching something the other day and said, oh, my God, like, I didn't know how bad it was for us to watch sports. Because now we just take for granted, you know, we got HD, the OLED TV, the, the mm-hmm. whole thing, right? Like, I don't even know if I'm using the right terminology. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, we got all this like yeah. great technology. And yet when I flash back, I go, how did we even know who the hell was on the field? Like, everything seemed so blurry. Like, quality was so bad. So to me, it makes so much more sense. Like, some of these video angles and the quality of the picture, I'm like, oh my God, I'm watching Thursday Night Football on Prime. And I'm thinking to myself, man, like, think about this. Like, yeah. 
just, it's crazy, man. It, it is. I, I just got to make I sure even, my Wi-Fi is good. I exactly. I even um uh I, I said earlier I did some of the USFL football games this past spring. They even have a drone yeah. that has even more unique angles because the drone is able to kind of get in there, you know, on player level. So again, I just think as technology grows, we'll continue to again try to get things right. That's the ultimate goal in our sport, getting things right. And as technology goes, I think we'll continue down that path. Do you think the game's over-officiated? Uh, yeah, at times, I do. To me, especially like with this uh, roughing the passer thing. You know, we, we can have that discussion on subjective calls and, you know, roughing the passer, what is roughing, you know, to each individual sure. and things like that. To me, it is a subjective thing. But I know quarterbacks are quarterbacks are with drive fans, you know, and they're the poster boys of the league and things like that. But to me, they're football players. And these calls are literally determining games. And we talk about the parody in the National Football League and how each week we don't know who's going to win. And each year there could be a new Super Bowl champion. And we love it. We love it. I love that fact about our league. But if that is the case, if that truly is the case, then that means officiating the calls have to be right. And at the end of the day, when you're, you you put something out at the beginning of the season and say, we want to protect quarterbacks and roughing the pass yeah. is going to be, you know, a call of emphasis. And these calls are determining games. I'm Again, Mike, I, I was a role player my entire career. Too many losses. I'm one of the first ones to go. At the end of the day, I, I don't necessarily believe in that. So yeah, yeah. This, this game can be over-officiated. No, I'm with you. And and get it back on the instant replay bandwagon for a second, because I think one of the other facets of this conversation is how long do these replays actually take? And mm. I think the number will probably surprise people. And let me just say this. like I don't think people understand, you know, what's it like to be in 20 seconds of silence? Like it, just <laughs> do that time. and it feels like a long time. So yeah. when you're watching to make sure your dude and that touchdown two feet in, in the end zone, like that feels excruciating. But in reality, the numbers aren't as crazy as you think, because at its lowest point in 2017, the average replay was taking one minute and 44 seconds. Last wow. season, the average did go up a minute, right? Last average, last season, two minutes and 23 seconds. So the fan who's waiting it still like 223, man. Like it, it's not as crazy as you think to get it right. The teams <laughs> that have been most successful since 99 at overturning calls, Dallas Cowboys, 48.1% of the time, the Eagles mm. at 46.6% of the time. So you start to say to yourself, like, why is that? Why those two teams? Well, here we go. Those two squads are number one and number three when it comes to playing primetime games since yep. 99. So you're saying, all right, well, why is that important? Here's what I can tell you, and I've experienced this. It's important because primetime games have way more cameras than the games that you are seeing on Sunday afternoon. Sometimes as many as four times the amount, and I know that sounds crazy. M. Rob, you've been in this business a long time, just like I have. Mm -hmm. Like if you go to a primetime game and you see the production trucks that are out there and you know the amount of cameras, man, there's a lot of tools in the tool shed oh, yeah. for, for, for these crews. So more cameras, <laughs> more eyes, better angles, more opportunity to reverse calls. Those camera angles specifically, that is an opportunity for plays to get overturned and really to get the perfect call as much as you want. So I want to mention a few of the famous instances of instant replay. Music City Miracle, 
replay, able to confirm the wild lateral that led the Titans to beat the Bills in 99. That was actually the first year that replay came back. The Des Bryant catch, or non-catch, depending if you're a Packers fan or, or a Cowboys <laughs> fan. It's kind of like that film, Mary, you were talking about a little bit before. And obviously, when Des Bryant scored that go-ahead touchdown. And Rob, I know you mentioned fail, Mary. Anything else that comes to mm-hmm. mind with some of these replays and some of those moments for you? I mean, obviously, the Megatron one, I think he was in Chicago. I think when he was getting up off the ground, it was obvious catch to me, but it just seems like some of the some of the makers of our game had never seen a human being do anything that great. But I mean, to me, you have to go to that Ram Saints 2018 NFC Championship game, right? To me, that was the most egregious no call that should have been pass interference that didn't get called. There was no replay for it. That was the most egregious one of them all. If our listeners remember Roby Coleman, uh, Nickel Roby Coleman, the uh, defensive back for the Rams ended up hitting the Saints, Tommy Lee Lewis. And I mean, should have been called. It was pass interference. It was egregious. It looked like the referee was about to throw the flag, and then he didn't. And then we started questioning how the officials actually formed their teams for playoffs. It was a whole big mess. You can go back to some of the stories back then. But I, again, to me, the pass interference call, again, another subjective call being in question. And again, to me, a sky judge would have helped that. Somebody that just said, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on. This is about the game, the integrity of our game. We cannot let this play move on without this play being called. So, yeah, I think that 2018 NFC Championship game was probably the one that comes to mind the most. And Mike, just 13 of 81 pass interference challenges were successful in 2019. So it was scrapped in 2020. And they're trying to figure out a process to make subjective calls better. Because, again, at the end of the day, there's no... (laughs) There's no line of demarcation on some of these subjective calls where a referee can just say, yeah, they met all of these. So this is why we made the call that comes down to the opinion of the referee. So with that in mind, do you you and I were talking off air before we started recording and I had said Mm -hmm. to you, hey, like, do you think we get to a point where every play gets reviewed? And I think you and I are probably on the same page that the answer is yes. Mm hmm. After hearing the number that you just threw out there, I'm almost wondering like, hey, man, like that might be a little further out than I had thought. Like I thought, eh, maybe the end of the decade, maybe it's longer. I don't know. Yeah, well, I I look at it like this, like, and I think um, I was at some owners meeting some years ago when Bill Belichick was talking about this. And this is not something I'm breaking or anything. We we all know what's going on. He, He just said, yes, keep the number of challenges at a limited number, two or three, whatever we decide, but make any play challengeable. And what you're challenging has to have something to do with the success of the play. And to me, that would limit the length of some of these challenges, but it would also give coaches a tool in their toolbox where if they feel that they've been slighted on a particular call because of the parity, because of how close these teams are, they can use their tools in their toolbox to, to potentially get the right call. I think that's something we should look at. So I told you this story, and I don't know how much I told you before, because sometimes I just say, I'll save it for air, or you say the same thing. I used to work on a project in virtual reality around the NFL. I did that for a couple seasons, and it wasn't ready for prime time yet when I think yeah. about the image quality that we get just watching normal TV. But Amrab, I actually think in a lot of ways that's the future of instant replay because like when you get the headset on or even AR, which is augmented reality, mm-hmm. like you put those headsets on, man. Like if I turn to my right, I see exactly what everyone sees as if I was actually yeah. at the game. And I think if the quality of the cameras get better, especially that drone one or the sky cam mm-hmm. that's coming through, 
Like, MROP, you literally can get every single angle of every single play. Like, I, I would imagine that has got to be where it goes probably in the next, I don't know, five, ten years. Oh, that that would be interesting right there, Yams. I, players, I don't know if, how much players would like that. I mean, just just getting everything. For everything, right? Instant replay. Yeah. Everything is on camera. Well, again, the goal is to get it right. If the goal is to get it right, which it is, I would vote for that. Yeah. I, I would be in favor of that. Do the players ever have conversations about what they want or don't want? Um, Like informal not, poll. Do most guys don't, yeah. they don't like replay? Like I would imagine uh, skill, like the wide receivers want replay yes. and then yeah, everyone and big, else is big, like no. big guys don't care big yeah. guys don't care i mean and, and i was a runner so a lot of the runners that i've talked to over the years were always fighting for extra yards and they hate sometimes the the spots of the uh, you know where the spots are and where officials call runners down again in the usfl they put a computer chip in the ball so you never had to guess where the ball went out of bounds yeah. you never had to guess exactly how far first down was i think more technology like that is coming that's awesome <laughs> You know, like, think about that. Like, that solves a lot of issues if you put up that virtual wall around the field. And as Mm -hmm. soon as that ball goes over, like, you know, it's out at that point. Exactly. Technology rules the world. That's why the Selfie Museum is thriving. Yes. That's exactly the reason why. Um, I know I made reference to it a little bit earlier, and that's the idea of getting into our DMs. If you got a question, don't know who to ask. We got you covered at Real Mike Rob at Mike underscore Yam. If you're new to the podcast, tell a friend, tell a friend, hop aboard, hop aboard, follow us wherever you get your podcast. And M Rob, I've sprinkled this in throughout the course of the show. I'm actually legit excited about this. We are, we're now, our faces are out there. It's, it's, yes. you, you can find us on the NFL YouTube channel. I had heard rumblings that this might happen, M Rob. The other rumbling that I heard is me and you, we're getting our own show that's separate from NFL Explained. Really? Yeah, yeah it's going to be a huge, huge huge thing oh man details don't be joking no don't be joking you better be for real man i'm getting pumped up okay run to california right now yeah well you know (laughs) not to not to make you disappointed but you know how they say like speak things into existence that's what i was just doing so that's what you were doing it's still it's on on my vision board at home <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> Which I don't I actually it. have. Always legitimately appreciate you guys checking us out. It's instant replay. Explain. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. 
I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.